Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, if you've never, how many of you had your kids play t-ball? Come on, you know the, the joy of that. Uh, I remember my uh, grandson's first day at t-ball. Uh, he did really well. He hit the ball, got the first. They threw the ball uh, the wrong way. He got the second. He got the third. A home run. Wow. The next kid hit the ball really far over the second baseman's head, which is pretty rare in t-ball. And the kid ran like a rocket ship to third base. <laughs> And they said, no, run the first base. He ran all the way across pitcher's mouth. And they said, you're, you're, you're safe. You're safe. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, while I'm at it, I thought I'd just throw this at you. The 8 o'clock service said you deserve this. Now, what you don't know what I do at 8 o'clock is I try out stories and jokes there. If they go like this, it's a bomb. I don't bring them forward. So they've edited things out. 9.15, sometimes I'll go, oh, 10.45 people, they deserve it. All two services said, you deserve this little story. It was a lady who, well, she didn't care a whole lot for her husband. And when her husband died, she went to the newspaper and said, I need to put an obituary out. Now, some of you have seen obituaries, maybe this long, or you've seen some like that long. She said, I want the cheapest obituary I can find. And the editor said, okay, it's six words. You get six words. She said, okay. Joe Smith died. Editor said, that's three words. What's the next three words? Boat for sale. (laughs) That's it. That's all she had to say about him. (laughs) Well, aren't you glad God doesn't think about you like that? Matter of fact, we've been using this verse, 2 Peter 1.4, throughout this series. So as uh, it's there on the screen, let's read it together. God made great and marvelous promises so that his nature would become part of us. Then we could escape our evil desires and the corrupt influences of this world. See, we've been talking about the fact that the promises of God give us hope. The promises that God has given to us allow us to have hope even in the darkest of times. And in your notes, you could write this down that through the promises of God, we see the heart of God. And his nature becomes part of us. You want to be more like God? Find out his promises. Find out what he spoke as a promise maker and find out how he lives as a promise keeper. And then by seeing the heart of God, we have hope. So I have two promises today. The first one comes to us from Psalm 46, verse 1. And it says that God is our refuge and our strength A very present help when? Mm, Trouble. You know, as we go to Psalm 96, really the whole psalm is our second promise. You see, the psalmist said in Psalm 46.1, God is our strength, our refuge, our help in our time of trouble. And in Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2, it says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and, and my, in whom I trust. Notice those words, shelter. See, you, you can't find a shelter unless you're in the shelter. That we're in God. And notice that he says that we're going to have the shadow of the Almighty. You can't have a shadow 
unless something is close to you. For example, if the sun was, was billowing down on you, shedding its rays this way, and you got between the, the building uh, over here, got between you and the sun, that building would cause a shadow to be upon you. See, God wants us to know that he wants to be so close to us that even when the trouble is shining down on us or the flames of life are coming our way, that we have a shadow or a shelter. Now, some of you in here, let me kind of look a little bit. Yeah, some of you in here have the kind of foreheads and heads where you need some shade. You got to have shade. You, you put sunscreen Mac, you put sunscreen on? Yeah, when you go out in the sun. Now, he's got a beautiful head, by the way. You know, I wouldn't shave my head because my head, it's not that pretty, you know. But let me tell you something about the shelter, the shade. When the psalmist is writing that you're my, my shadow, he's talking about the arid and dry desert. That if you're not careful, you could burn your head, your shoulders for sure. Some of us that are older now, are finding these marks appearing on our faces and on our head and on our scalp. I've got some marks on my arm. I go, oh, that's the youth car wash fundraiser, 1986. <laughs> I forgot to put, oh, this little mark on the back of my head. You can't see it, but it's back here. Trust me. I check it with a mirror all the time. It's from a week at summer camp where I forgot to bring my sunscreen and I was chasing 518 kids for seven days and I forgot, because I got busy, to put on any sunscreen. Oh, I've got some marks. Anybody else got any marks coming out? Yeah, you, you younger people, you're going, what's he talking about? That's prophetic, it's gonna come your way. Yeah, so make sure you lather up, make sure you get in the shadow, well, or the shade, but in life, make sure you stay in the shadow of the Almighty. He tells us that we can trust in this God. When I was uh, reading this psalm, I remembered a movie. Maybe you saw it. It was called The March of the Penguins, narrated by none other than Morgan Freeman. And after about 40 minutes, I'd had enough. They had over three years of film footage. They chased the penguins around. We got some penguins we could show you here. And actually, when the scripture says that we are in the refuge or the shadow of the Almighty, we find that we are protected by God. Now, this is actually a, a, a mother and a father who are taking care of their baby penguins. And then the father, for the most part, does what, well, most men do. Hey, honey, would you go find food? And so dad takes the babies in his pouch or in his shadow of his wings, so to speak, and mom goes out for three to four months. And dad stays there in 80 degree, 80 below zero, 125 mile an hour winds to protect their little ones. It's like a lady told me one time about her kids. She said, you know who they call me, what they call me? They call me Mama Bear. I said, really? I do growl? Oh, get near my kids and I will. Uh, I'm going to protect my children. Some of you moms and grandmas are like that, and that's fine. But the picture is what God gives us. Psalm 94, verse 4 to 6, he will cover you with his feathers. You probably read that before. I never pictured God having feathers. Well, he doesn't literally. 
But this is what the psalmist saw. He covers you with his feathers and under his wings you'll find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. And isn't that powerful? He doesn't say God is strong and he'll be your shield. He says his faithfulness will be your shield. What he's already done, how he's already proven himself, how he's already kept his promises, you can rest in the faithfulness of God and hold that up like a shield in the midst of trouble. And you might say, I've got problems coming my way, but you know what? I'm going to be shielded because God is a good God and he is faithful in all things. And he will call on me, the scripture says, and he will be one who gets an answer. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor plague that destroys you. And then down in verse 14 to 16, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him and I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. And he will call on me, and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. When you read this psalm, you could almost conclude that nothing bad is going to happen to you. So I got on Google. I mean, you know, it's a great place to go and do research. And I, I Googled this psalm, and I found a blog Now, a blog is a simple uh, landing point on the internet where you can write whatever you want to write with any kind of opinion you want. And if people find you, they'll get to read whatever you wrote. So I started reading the truth from Psalm 91. And here's what the writer wrote. When you have trust and faith in God, nothing bad will ever happen to you. Hmm. You won't catch a cold or even stub your toe. I thought, wow, are you kidding me? What kind of theology is that? I really wanted to reply, but they had disabled any comments. Because I, I wanted to reply with the words of Jesus from John 16, In this world, you'll have tribulation. Anybody understand this verse? Come on. You've lived this before? You've had trouble or tribulation or trial? Nowhere in Psalm 91 does it say you won't go through stuff. You won't have heartache. You won't be brokenhearted. Not one place. But I can tell you, all through Psalm 91, it says that God will protect our soul in such a way, it's like there's no arrow that can penetrate our heart when we allow God to be our defense. The most important thing we have is not so much this thing called skin, or this body, the most important thing we possess is our soul, and God is letting us know through Psalm 91 that he's going to protect our soul. Do you remember the Red Sea where the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea? God didn't remove the Red Sea. You read it. Read the story. Children of Israel out of Egyptian captivity. God did not remove the Red Sea, but what he did is he made a way through the Red Sea. They crossed on dry ground. Sometimes we want God to take all our problems away. Well, Psalm 91 reminds us that he won't take all our problems away, but he'll cover us in the shadow of his presence, the safety of his wings. He'll take care of us through all things. So I know some of you are are wondering, well, Psalm 91, it kind of sounds familiar. Well, it is. It's the very words that Satan used when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Hey, didn't your God say you could... Throw yourself down from the pinnacle of the synagogue and you won't die. Didn't God say that he was going to protect you? So 
So go ahead and go for it. What God said is, I'm going to be with you through everything, but I'm not going to remove everything. And I so desperately want to tell Christians who say, you know, they sold me a bill of goods. They said if I gave my life to Jesus, I'd never have another problem. Can I tell you, when I was 14, I gave my life to Jesus. That's when my problem started. I went to school and tried to live for God. I read my Bible and tried to follow the ways of God. All my friends were going the opposite way. I was playing in a couple bands, you know, having fun, making music and all that. And all my friends, you know, wanted to smoke and drink and chew and go with those who do. And I remember my youth pastor saying, you don't succumb to peer pressure, man. You've heard that, haven't you? And I was trying to live for God before. I didn't care how I lived. I just did my thing and didn't let my parents know what I was doing, right? Some of you remember that. And I thought, wow, now the problem starts the fight within me. But God is with us. And would you write this down in your first point there, that God uses pain to grow us in our knowledge of himself? You see, God doesn't cause all the pain in life to happen, but God going to use all the pain to bring us closer to himself. And if we sat down today, you and me, for lunch, I would ask you the question, when have you been closest to God? And I would venture a guess, most of you would say, when I went through this trouble or this tragedy or I lost a loved one, that God somehow made himself known. I had a dear pastor friend in Foursquare. His name was Ron Mel. He wrote some great books. Pastored a big church in Beaverton. He was one of the few guys that had 5,000 in church when no one had 5,000 in church. One of the top churches in America. And he suffered with leukemia. And it would go in remission, and it would come back, and it would go in remission, and it would come back. And and I remember him saying at a convention one time, he said, don't despise anything that drives you to your knees. Don't despise anything that makes you closer to God, because in the end, that's where you want to be. And then he said this, the oncologist told me if it comes back again, there's nothing they can do, that there is no He said, I looked at the oncologist and said, you don't understand. My hope's not tied to medicine. My hope's not tied to chemo. My hope's not tied to blood work. My hope is tied to Jesus Christ. So while you say there's no hope, I say there's all kinds of hope. Because someday when my body wears out and I fold up my tent, like the apostle Paul says, I will be filled with the hope of God for all eternity. Now, some of us say, well, uh, couldn't he have lived longer? I guess. But I know that he lives in the presence of God and lives with him forever. John 17, 3 says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you and the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, our eternal life is not just something when we're through with life, but that we may know him more and more. So we don't despise anything that draws us closer to the Lord. And back in Psalm 91, verse 15, that he will call on me and I will answer him and I will be where? Where? With him in trouble. By the way, ladies, don't get upset. Him is, is, is not denoting any gender. It's a neutered word. It's just them. So ladies, this is for you too. I will be with her. I will be with them. I will be with with in the midst of trouble. 
I will be with them in the flame. I may not always remove the flame, but I will be right there in the midst of the flame. See, God's greatest goal in our notes of my life is Christ-likeness, to make us more like Christ. Could you imagine rising up every morning and making this your prayer? Hey, Lord, today, will I be more like your son, Jesus? Just think about that. See, we don't know everything about God. It's so hard. How can you know him? But the beauty that we have is not only did Jesus come to this earth to die for us, and that was his goal, but he says with his own lips, I came to reveal the Father to you. He's so big and and enormous, we can't know everything about him. But as we study the life of Jesus, we go, oh, I can get that. I can be a person that's not judgmental like Jesus was. I can be moved with compassion like Jesus looking over Jerusalem. And he says, I, I weep over them because they're like sheep without a shepherd. Or where Jesus radically changed people's lives and even raised the dead. Now, I don't know if you're going to raise the dead or not. I've tried twice. It didn't work for me. God had another plan. But God's goal is for us to be like Christ with his heart with his likeness. Number two, God's promise is to fulfill all things for good in our lives. We all know this verse, right? Romans 8, 28. It says that we know all things, all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Now, let me tell you how great this verse is, and let me tell you how not great this verse is. Don't use this verse when someone has just lost their job or someone has just lost a loved one. I've actually been in cases where somebody's being told that their loved one has died, and some well-meaning Christian walks in, well, you know, all things work together for good. That's the wrong time. At least wait a while, will you? But the truth of the matter is, while God may, 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 may have not caused that pain, or God may have not caused that life to end, here's what we do know. He will work every situation and circumstance out for good for his people, for those that are in Christ, for those that he's called according to his purpose. It's going to be good somehow, and he'll make it work together. I love what Pastor Tim Keller says. He says that all evil deeds ultimately accomplish the reverse of what their authors intended. The reverse. Some people that, that, that believe that hatred and violence... Uh, any kind of act of violence, it's, 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 it's got to be bad. It's got to be bad. God has a way of even turning that around for good. Remember Joseph who was sold into slavery by his brothers? And here's what he said. He said, you intended it for evil and harm, but God turned around and intended it for good. See, Psalm 91 reminds us when we're close to the Lord, he can take anything and make it good. So 8 o'clock service said, you deserve this next story. 9.15 said, most assuredly, give it to him. So it's a story of a little bird who was flying south for the winter. He took off a little late, so the ice began to build up on his wings, and he was having a hard time flapping his wings. Pretty soon, his wings froze up, and he falls splat into a snowy bank in a pasture field. Now he was freezing. He was shivering. He couldn't even move. And he heard the noise. It was a big cow coming over. And the cow went right over the top of the little bird. 
and dropped a big load of manure right on the little bird. The bird looked up to heaven and said, man, how could things get any worse than this? Then he took in a big whiff and said, oh man, life stinks, huh? But what happened is the warmth of manure began to de-ice his wings and he started flapping a little bit and then he started singing and chirping. Well, the chirp actually got the attention of a cat nearby and the cat pulled him out of the hole he was in and away from the manure. He thought, wow, I've been rescued. And the cat said, lunch, and ate the bird, the whole bird in three bites. Well, they said, you deserve it. There you have it. Oh, wait a minute. There's three lessons. (laughs) First of all, not everyone who drops manure on you is your enemy. Second of all, not everyone who digs you out of a hole is your friend. And third of all, when you're in the manure, sometimes it's helpful to keep your little chirper shut (laughs) and just wait it out because God is there for you. Be still and know that he's God. Did you like that story? Good. Because I was going to tell 8 o'clock next week, they didn't like the story. But isn't it true? I mean, it is true. Sometimes, God, look at this crisis, and all of a sudden, this weight falls on you, and you wonder if it could get any worse. And then sometimes when the the weight of life falls on you, or if I could use the phrase, the manure of life falls on you, you could start chirping. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. You could tell everybody and their mother. You could go crazy on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. You don't know what TikTok is, one of the latest uh, crazes in social media taking off rapidly right now, just millions and millions of subscribers, or Instagram, or Pinterest, or the blog, rather than saying, you know what, I'm going to keep my little chirper shut right now, and I'm just going to let God know my troubles and see what he does. I'm going to let God know my heart because, number three, Our hope is connected to the resurrection of Jesus. Romans 8, 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives where? Hey, can we say it? How about we say lives in me? Lives in me. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. What could be greater than that? The God of the universe, the God who put the stars in the sky, the God who knows the numbers of hair on your head. And some of you, it's, well, it's a challenge because that hair keeps going down the drain every morning. Just think about all the human beings. God knows how many hairs went down the drain this morning. It's pretty amazing. But he lives in you. And what's the greatest thing that he did? He raised Jesus from the dead. After the greatest thing that ever could happen, Jesus died for us. And he will give life to your mortal bodies, the same spirit living within you. This last Friday, I uh, had the honor of officiating uh, the funeral service for little Bobby Contreras. Some of you were there. Thank you for attending. Bobby was uh, the last homicide victim in the city of Lompoc. And uh, he was also an attender of LFC. Matter of fact, the morning, uh, that the day he passed away, 
he was here at our men's breakfast. We had breakfast with Bobby Contreras. We loved on him. He rode his bike up and, hey, Pastor Bernie, good morning. Give him a big hug, you know. He'd come in church. I told the people at the service, one thing great about Bobby was not only he was coming to church, he stayed awake during the sermon. And I told the story. I, I told several stories. His family told stories. And, but I told the story of Lazarus. I thought it would be fitting. Because I knew after we were at the mortuary, we'd be driving up the hill to the cemetery where his body would be laid to rest. And I said, you know, the Bible records that Jesus never performed a funeral. Because every time he showed up when people were dead, they rose again from the dead. End of funeral. No chance to eat potato salad or anything. I mean, this is over with, right? And Mary and Martha were upset. They actually scolded Jesus when he came. They said, if you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And now he's in the tomb and he starts to stink. And Jesus was moved with compassion, just like he was for Bobby. And Jesus wept, shortest verse in the Bible, you know it. And he said to the women, do you believe in me? See, he doesn't scold them for asking questions in their trouble. He doesn't scold them for being upset in the moment. I mean, he doesn't scold them at all. Actually, he just said to them, John 11, and I read these words the other day, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing me will never die. Do you believe this? I asked the people there at the mortuary, do you believe this? If you don't believe this, well, where's your resurrection? How will you come to life? There was a young lady who came as I arrived early for the viewing. And she said to me, do you know, Bobby? Bobby believed in Jesus Christ. I said, oh, how do you know? Because he told me so. I said, wow. Of all the things he meant to you, of all the things he ever said to you, that's the greatest thing he could say. Because he's not here now. We always hear these words, don't we? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And I always add a third line. And spirit to spirit. Because our final resting place really isn't this earth at all. And I appreciate the work they do at Evergreen Cemetery to keep it nice. But that's really not our final resting place. Oh, by the way, if we're in Christ, there is no finality. We live because Jesus said it, not my words. He said, do you believe this? Even though they die, whoever lives by believing in me will never, ever die. Years ago, there was a major fire in Yellowstone National Park. And after the wildland crews had gone through, the firefighters were coming in looking for hot spots. And on a tree stump, they saw a charred bird standing straight. They thought, wow, what is it? On further, exp uh, uh, further uh, look, they, they saw that the bird was actually seated there, charred. One of the firefighters picked it up with his glove and put the bird on the ground. And no sooner did he pick the bird up, he heard three little baby birds chirping. When I read that story, I thought, isn't that just like Jesus? He took on the fire of hell for us. He took on the sin for us. And it was as though he was covering us in the shadow of his wings. 
and protecting us in the midst of that which would come and ravage us. See, our belief in the resurrection doesn't remove our pain, but it changes how we go through it. There's something bigger and grander and better and what we're facing in our lives. Can I give you a statement? It's not on the screen, but it might help you. I think if you're a Facebook person, you should post this today. Our current situation is not our final destination. It was so good, eight o'clock went, (laughs) Our current situation is not our final destination. It's not all about this, and it's not all about now. Oh, pastor, if you knew my situation, and I'm going to tell you, your situation is not your final destination. If you're in Christ, God will see you through. God will help you in your trouble. Oh, and I love this verse, Romans 16, 20. If this is not a great promise, I don't know what is. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. There's nothing greater Blessing that we can say to something, may the grace of Jesus Christ be with you. Because soon, soon Satan's going to be crushed under our feet. And number four, God's help is realized in our deliverance. Our deliverance. See, until you understand your weakness, you won't truly appreciate God's strength. I know where I'm weak, and as I get older, I'm all the more self-aware. I really am. I told a friend of mine recently, I go, I know I talk too much. At least I'm self-aware. And he goes, yeah? I said, well, you talk too much and you don't know it. See, there's the difference. At least I'm self-aware, you know? And how about looking at somebody and saying, you know what? The greatest blessing I could give you is that Jesus Christ would be with you. It shows me that whatever I go through, nothing can separate me from God's plan for my life. See, God's help is realized in our deliverance. Psalm 91.15 says, I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. Now, before we finish, I would like to read one last scripture, and it comes from the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. It says, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. This is Paul teaching a young son in the faith about how to live his future life. He's mentoring him here. And listen to his mentoring words. But the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength so that through the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was what? Delivered from the lion's mouth. You might stop and say, Paul never went into Daniel's lion's den. But remember in Paul's time, Christians were persecuted. Actually, Paul, before he came to Christ, used to persecute Christians. He had the ability to sentence Christians to death. And Paul is saying, you know what? They could have put me in one of those Colosseums where the hungry lions were and fed me to the lions, but they didn't because God kept me from the lion's mouth. Why? So I could be here longer and preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. But watch this promise from someone who'd been beaten and left for dead, someone who got on a boat and ended up shipwrecked, from someone who had had, had come to the end of his life and knew he was being poured out, he says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. See, he was focused on heaven and on his kingdom, 
And he said to him, be glory forever and ever and ever. God will rescue you from what you're facing. And if not today, you're going to go through something. It's going to hit you. Sorry. This is life. Oh, pastor, I want to live like that lady on the blog. I won't even stub my toe or catch a cold. No, not true. We're going to go through stuff. But I found this quote. I don't know who to attribute it to, so I'm just going to say I found it. It says, God's promise in trouble is far better than the absence of trouble without God. God's promise in trouble, his presence in trouble, his power in trouble is far better than the absence of trouble without God. See, God wants to be with us in all things. Look for his presence and not his absence. In Psalm 91, these are the blessings I want to speak over your life before we pray. That God himself will shelter you. That God will protect you and rescue you. That God himself will be your fortress. That God himself will deliver you. That God himself will protect you. That God himself will answer you when you call. That God himself will be with you in your trouble. That God himself will rescue. That God himself will honor you. That God himself will satisfy you with a long life. And that God himself will show you salvation. Not only now, but on the day you take your last breath. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.